Being alone on Shabbos isn't fun. That's why CUNShabbos.com offers free and safe Jewish hospitality, which helps match guests with host families from Israel, America, and anywhere around the world. It's like Craigslist, Janglo, or JDate, but for Shabbos meals. It's great for both travelers, singles, or just someone needing a good place for Shabbos. Don't spend Shabbos alone. Visit www.cuonshabbos.com. That's cuonshabbos, S-H-A-B-B-O-S dot com. Now, the only independent news talk network in the Middle East, Israel National Radio, presents the Tovia Singer Show. Here's Tovia Singer. Singer here, Israel National Radio. Truth nowhere else. 1-800-270-428. We have a caller on the line, a devout Christian who loves the Jewish people, and we're discussing the Messianic movement. Is it Christian? We'll continue this conversation live on air. I know you're not going to touch the dial, but I'll just say it because it's in my contract. Don't touch the dial. All right, we are back. I love this song, but I, I'll, we'll come back. All right, we are back. Singer here, Israel National Radio and IsraelNationalRadio.com. For folks listening around the world, Jonathan is is called in, and this has become such an interesting conversation that I think he's broken a record for how much time a caller has spent on air. And it is a joy that you have broken this record. Jonathan, thank you for joining me, and welcome back. Are you? I, I think you're still there, right? I broke a record. Wow. Yeah, I think so. That's cool. I, we have hey. to go back in the archives, but it's possible that you have surpassed every caller uh, in my nearly, I don't know, 10 years of on air. So I think so, yes. Which means you're well, really I'll, interested. I'll, chalk, I'll, chalk, chalk, <laughs> I'll, put a, I'll chalk myself up on that. I yeah. love your show. And, Thank and you. I just want to I just want uh, reiterate, you're, you're definitely a wonderful, godly man. And... But here's something I, I thought of when we were off. Should now uh, it's funny because the messianic movement is pulling me closer to uh, the Jewish roots of the Bible, closer than I've ever been in my life. But I've always had a hunch that that's where I should be. And uh, and would you rather? That the messianic movement that pushed me away from Israel and told me uh, that they were that that the messianics were right and the Jews were wrong and don't go to Israel and don't support Israel because that is not what they're doing. They're doing totally the opposite, and they're not setting up Israel for some blind side of takeover. The religion, the ones that I talk to say, you know what, the decision is up to them. We love God. We love the Torah. We love the Tanakh. They, some of them even study the, the, the Targum and the Talmud. And, uh, you know, they were raised, many of them were raised in, in Jew, good Jewish homes. And, I, you know, I have a disadvantage. I'm a 49-year-old man, and my disadvantage is so I didn't even come to know the Lord until I was 19 years old. Mm. And my children have been raised raised in you know in a Christian home, and uh, so 
my journey, my journey, uh, you know, it's, it's good to get that foundation as a, as a child, and I understand that. And many Jews have got the, a foundation in the Scripture, as you do, a very good foundation. Your parents raised you right in a, to get a, a foundation in the Torah and the Tanakh. And, uh, but all, all I'm saying is that these guys are not doing evil and not doing a disservice to the Jewish people, the, the Messianics. And I, 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 I can't emphasize that more, but I know you've been raised in, you know, in, in the Torah and the Tanakh. You know it way better than I do, and there's no doubt, but I am studying all the more, and these people are encouraging me to study all the more. And, and should I say to them, oh, they're just trying to take me, you know, I'm not saying this to be mean to you, but it, should I say to them, oh, you're just trying to make me into a Jew? Okay. And, let me, and, let me, and hate them and say you're trying to tear down the Christian foundation that I've 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 built for 30 years since I gave my life to Jesus in you know in 1979, but uh, that's not the case. Toby. Right. But let me answer. They're, and they're question. not trying to tear. They're not trying to tear uh, me from Christianity, and they're they're just drawing me to uh, to. Uh, Jude, to Judaism, All right. and it's not, and I don't look at it as a conspiracy to tear down the Christian Church. Sure, and let, it let could me... be looked at that way. And you don't see the Christian Church uh, saying, "Well, these guys are trying to draw so draw us to the Jews and away from away from our our Christian fundamentalist beliefs." You know, well, let, let me happening. Jonathan. Let me answer your question first of all. The Christians fill churches around the world whether they like it or not, are going to come to the Jewish faith, because my Bible says so in Zechariah 8.23. It'll be ten Gentiles of different languages. They'll grab the shirt of a Jew and say, take us with you, because now we know God is with you. I just would like it to happen now. I believe that now. Oh, there you go. So there you go. So that's the first thing. The second thing. So it's happening. I mean, those folks in churches, they're all, I mean, except for those who are enemies of Israel, and then they will face being cut off, as the Bible says, but those who are not, who have not chosen that side of evil, but are simply lost in churches, they're coming to the God of Israel. They're going to pray uh, on the Temple Mount. They'll be cleansed, they'll be purified, and the Temple Mount, the, the future temple, which will be built... It's just going to be the tallest mountain on Earth, as uh, I understand it's, it. It's, well, spiritually, spiritually. If you want to know right, physically... Forty through forty-three. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's it's going to be. If you want to know actually the size, I mean, it's going to be about three times the size. Uh, well, let's say this. Have you been to Jerusalem, Jonathan? No. What are you waiting for, sir? You've got to yeah, come I've, here with <laughs> your family and visit yeah, me. I know. The friends. Right. The friends. All right. And then you I, have to. I got. I got to be prudent with the friends. If I went over there right now, my wife would be really upset. No, she wouldn't. She would love you. She would sit down and say, "Let's no, figure out a way to get." No, not that I'm going to Israel, but that, I, that, that some of my bills need to be paid. Well, we'll we'll work so, on that together, and we'll talk to. You. We'll figure out. We'll figure out a plan. But the ten, the the third temple is going to be large. It's going to be about three times as large as if you're looking for a measuring stick. About the Dome of the Rock, you just go. Twice, yeah. you know, three. That's one third the size of what the third temple will look like. But let but me read, answer. That's, that's let the me. Six cubit read. 
Let me let me just give you let me answer your your original question because I think it was a very valuable one and it's rare that people ask me that question. The Messianic movement is a wilderness, meaning that when the Jewish people came out of Egypt, which is idolatry, it was a house of bondage. Um, they didn't go directly to the promised land, but they had to move through the desert. They had to travel for 40 years until they were finally able to arrive at the promised land and enter Eretz Israel under the leadership of Joshua. There are thousands of people, Jonathan, who are listening to your voice and mine right now who have converted to the Jewish faith because they went through the Messianic movement. I can begin to tell you how many Gentiles who were in just Presbyterian churches and as you described, just some old, you know, lunch run, you know, lunch hour church in the United States or England who got involved in the Messianic movement. And it's true. And in the Messianic movement, because there's a use of enormous amount of Jewish tradition and because the Messianic movement, like its identical sister, the Christian Zionist churches, um, have a great deal of love and support for Israel. So as a result of that... More than it, you know. No, it's exactly what I know. I've been hanging around Messianics for much longer than you. <laughs> Just kidding. But I have. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, anyway, so as a result of that, it piques the curiosity of Gentiles, and they just go, whoa, I've got to learn more about Judaism. And then they meet you know, somebody, a, a rabbi who's a traditional rabbi, and say, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I believe in the New Testament. You know what? Because of this this wandering, the, this place I'm in, the Messianic movement, I'm really curious, like, what do Jews believe? Because I now know that you Jews, at least those who are faithful, that you're not just anti-Christian because you just can't stand Jesus. There is some fundamental reason for it. I disagree with it, but obviously there's something that you believe or don't believe for a reason. I want to know what that reason is. And when Gentiles are curious enough, they will ask me, and then we can study together. And I will plug this. It's free. You can go online on my website, outreachjudaism.org, and you can download my audio programs. There's no charge for them. And I go through the Bible and explain what is, you know, Judaism believe. But going to your other question, you know, when you say, did Jesus say this or didn't say this, you know, obviously, if I believed, Jonathan, that the Christian Bible was an accurate, reliable record of history, I'd be a Christian. And that's not just true for the Christian Bible. If I believed in the Book of Mormon or the Koran or any document, if I a priori, meaning beforehand, accept that that's a that truly is a reflection of what happened and what was said of course i'd be a christian but what i'm suggesting that you consider doing is instead of just saying okay i believe in the christian bible as the word of god i i'm just going to believe that everything in there is a is is a true record and a reflection of what occurred in the first third of the first century well you know um then of course you've already embraced it i don't do that i say Let's take the statements in the Christian Bible. Let's hold them against. Let's measure them. That's why, incidentally, the the word the Bible is a, is called a, a read. It's a measuring tool. I measure it against the Jewish Bible, and and therefore that's why I I don't believe in it. But I would suggest that you also measure it against the Jewish Bible instead of 
a priori accepting it. And in fact, I do. And uh, not to belabor the point, but it, it draws me. <clears throat> First, I was drawn to Christ. And uh, uh, the words of Christ drew me to Judaism. And uh, now uh, I'm studying the scriptures, I'm studying the Torah, and uh, and I believe it. And, and, and Christ doesn't, Jesus Christ, the, who I believe to be the Messiah and to be the same person as in Isaiah 53, uh, he hasn't done a bad job of drawing me to Judaism. Well, I'll tell you this. In you fact, know, I would say he's done a wonderful job to many people. In fact, the the whole the whole uh, replacement theology movement is in, in here in America uh, is looking is looking really really stupid in my eyes, and, well, and, and it always was suspect to me. And uh, the the messianic movement is drawing uh, a lot of people away. From this replacement, this replacement theology that is totally in error, right, and, uh, Jonathan? But let me just because I don't want to belabor the same point, you know, again, and I know you don't. Yeah, I know. So, but the key is this: there are millions of Americans who belong to churches in the United States, evangelical churches, who love Israel deeply and believe that the church has not replaced Israel believe that God has a unique covenant with the Jewish people and that the land of Israel has been given to the people of Israel and it's an eternal covenant that can be not be broken or undone by the United Nations, by the European Union, by the United States, by the quartet. You know, that's shared by millions of folks. So, you know, getting back to the point, the, the Messianic movement is not unique or distinct in that way. The only thing... They one started that movement, Tovia. No, well, the, the Christian Zionist movement started with folks in the 19th century. People like, did you ever no, hear, of, you ever hear the, of like someone like John John Nelson Darby? Have you heard that name before? Yes, I have. Oh, so there you go. He, so in he, fact, was, he, worked, he worked with uh, um, one of the, um, the early settlers to create the Zionist movement. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have John Nelson Darby, as I mentioned before, Cyrus Schofield. These weren't Messianic Jews, and these weren't they didn't belong to a Messianic movement, which didn't exist at the time. They uh, had, that was the, that was actually actually though that was the beginning of that movement. And and that movement in America has done nothing but enforce the ideals that uh, uh, that the uh, messianic the messianic movement has enforced the ideals that have that have drawn the Christians uh, to Zionism, not Zionism per se, and because that's almost used like a dirty word by some people. It's not no, me, not but, here. That's not, the clean. That's the cleanest word here. Yeah, amen. But amen Lena, let me that, just say that. that. Let me, but let me say this to you. You know. You know, I spoke about Cyrus Schofield, you know, who wrote the Schofield Bible, which was published in the beginning of the 20th century. But, you know, Cyrus's name, he's named after another man named Cyrus who was a Persian. You know, and even though the Cyrus 2,500 years ago was also a Zionist and believed that the Jewish people should return to the land that belongs to them, and that's recorded in the beginning of the book of Ezra, I'm not going to become a Persian. 
So my suggestion is that although someone could support Israel and love Israel, it doesn't mean that I have to join their religion. What I'm suggesting for you, Jonathan, is really to to be willing to see. You said that in your life when you were young, the first thing you started out with is believing in Jesus. You know, you believe in Christ, Jesus Christ. That was the first thing. And then later on, as you moved on, your religious faith grew and evolved to the point where it is right now. But I would say that because your religious faith began with Jesus Christ, as you call it, so what happens after that is that all the beliefs Actually, that you have... Actually, Yeshua, Yeshua, my you, you, you want to hear a funny thing? I have on my desk a Messianic Soul Winners card. It comes out of their training manual on how to share the gospel with the Jew. And the first thing it says on there is, don't say Jesus Christ. Do say instead the Messiah, Yeshua. But I think regardless of... I don't of, have a problem with that because that the one is Greek and the other is, is, mm. is Hebrew. I'd rather stick with the Hebrew. The only why, reason... So would I. I personally but, use the Greek is because uh, here in America, you know, Jesus is more known as Jesus than... The proper name Yahshua, which but is why, the let me ask you, Jonathan, why Joshua. was why did if you believe in the New Testament as the Word of God, why did God write in Greek? I mean, if you prefer Hebrew or Greek, my guess is that because so does God. At the time, now, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to sound uh, uh, in any way. Um, uh, well, I'll just say, I'll just say what I'm going to say. But at the time, the Jews did not accept. Jesus and what the what the uh, what the um, apostles had to say uh, was taken on by the Greeks, and there was an outreach to the to the Greek and to or to the Goyim and to the uh, Jews as well. But uh, at the time, there was a there was you know there there was a, a reasonable and I'll say a reasonable uh, dissension because the Jews wanted to keep to what the the Bible said so in their misunderstanding of, of of Jesus and the apostles they were they were at odds with what no, but uh, my question my question this is New Testament this New Testament would be so it was written in Greek but and why not? At, at that time to have it written in Hebrew would have been a difficulty why? even though the guys that that why? wrote it were were Hebrew. Well, we don't, we, we, don't, we don't really know that, but why, Jonathan? Why didn't God... That means you have many of the books, of all, all of Tanakh, written in Hebrew, or slight bit Aramaic, but it's all essentially Hebrew. It was written, many of the prophets were written, to a disobe- disobedient nation. God didn't wouldn't write a Bible in Arabic or in German because people were disobedient. And, you know, the Greek language but, but, is... But even, even the Torah, even the, in the Jewish tradition... The Torah has been written in many different languages, and the, and the Tanakh, it, and the First the, Testament of the Bible. It, it took so, a, so it took a thousand a years. Point. It took a thousand years. That means the Torah was written uh, thirty two hundred and thirty three hundred and twenty four years ago. Uh, the it wasn't translated into Greek for over eleven 1, hundred years. What does that tell you? I'm not sure. All right. 
Well, think. <laughs> you know, Greek is not just another language. It was the hostile language. It was, you know, it, it well, just preceded, it just followed Hanukkah, which was the war against Greek, Greco-Roman cultures that. was the so most... Who better, who better to know the gospel that, that loves the Jews than the Greeks, if that were true? Who better to have an outreach to, to uh, quell the, the, the violence of the Greeks toward the Jews, to have the gospel that would lead them to the Jews, as it led me? But why not? I would say I would suggest this. That I would say if that, was a, that was it, a good move by God to uh, <laughs> to um, to soften the the uh, uh, angst that the Greeks had against the Jews. God is worried. God God is afraid. No, 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 of no, the no, Greeks, no, no. Because like, God God has always to... now now let's let's not do that because God has always tried to save the Jews and 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 His people. From from uh, the the violence of the unbeliever and the and the and so uh, to put a, to put a testament of of God in another language, I don't see why that would be anathema to the Jewish people to he have to, to have to the word in, in, the, the in the language of the goyim. But wouldn't it, and in if fact, he, it is a new language of the goyim all over the world, and it, and it's actually done done well. And, it, and and God, I believe, has used that to, as an outreach to the Goyim. But it didn't work out so well. That means you would concede that that although today there are millions of really nice Christians who love Israel, you also, of course, are very aware of the fact that the vast majority of of people who identified their faith with Jesus, with Christianity, who believed in the New Testament, the, we're talking about billions of people throughout history, they hated the Jews and were our chief persecutors, so it really didn't work out well. That was recently. a big mistake, Tobia. Huge mistake. That was a big mistake. Yes, it was. That, but he, that's, I agree, that was, agree. But but the point is that if the purpose of writing the Christian Bible in Greek was to sort of enable folks to be good people, all would concede, even the if someone like would concede that for the lar- for the most part. That only maybe not even a one percent of one percent of all people who call themselves Christians really loved Israel and the Jewish people, wouldn't you say? Let me do this. We got to go to a news break, Jonathan. Let me just encourage you to do this. Would you consider going to my website and maybe staying in touch with me, and maybe we can go through a scripture together? And um, sure. And, all I, right. No, I, I, I would. In fact, I would encourage other people to do it. All right. Yes, I'm going to do And it. you will get me my tickets to the Messianic Conference coming up? Yes. Okay. You don't have to get Those me plane tickets. Just entry. They identify with you. A lot of them are, are Jewish, Jewish people. They identify with you. They identify with what, with, you know, how you think and, and they identify with your, with your, with your, uh, uh, aversion to, uh, Christianity, but they, they identify with that because they've... Jonathan, I got it. We're going to get cut off by the news and commercials. Brother, thank you so much for joining us here. Let's continue this. God bless you. God bless Israel. 1-800-270-4288. You're listening to the Chief Rabbi News Talk Radio. Do not touch the dial. Hi. 
Hi, this is Judy Simon, host of the show Mikdash Kids. This week on Mikdash Kids, we tell the story of Purim and talk about the wisdom of Queen Esther and the wisdom of Jewish women throughout the ages. I'll be interviewing two wise Jewish women, Rebetzin Shira Smiles and Rebetzin Pearl Burrow. So tune in to Mikdash Kids this week, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on Israel National Radio. Temple Talk on Israel National Radio. Tuesday, live to our special Temple Talk, the 2nd of March, 2010, the 16th of Adar. We'll be taking your calls. We're looking forward to talking to you, our listeners. Rabbi Chaim Richman and Yitzchak Reuven, live Temple Talk, post-Purim, pre-Pesach program, 3 p.m. Israel time, 8 a.m. Eastern. Call in, be part of it. Temple Talk, it's not just about the building, it's about the spiritual revolution of the Holy Temple and the Jewish people. Left-wingers don't know what to do with him. Anti-Semites hate his guts. They would give anything to get him off the radio. Tovia Singer, coming up next on Israel National Radio. Singer here, Israel National Radio. 1-800-270-4288. This is your last chance <laughs> for Shabbat and Purim to call in with your questions on air. All right, we are back. I thought that I heard you laughing. 1-800-270-4288. The number to dial anywhere around the world as we progress into Shabbos Zohar, the Shabbos that we um, we read, we remember Amalek. We remember to to blot out the memory of Amalek. It's a mitzvah from the Torah to, to destroy the name of Amalek, to destroy it and... Uh, and uh, this is the Shabbos where we uh, read that segment from the Torah. And this is a good time, if you're in the land of Israel, to uh, to visit the grave of Samuel, the prophet, who lives just a few miles from here, uh, who um, killed Agag, who um, stood up to destroy this this evil force. And please, God... It will be destroyed quickly in our time. The Edom down. We want to see that. Speaking of Edom, <laughs> that's a stupid segue singer. Well, whatever. The European, I'm just going to say this and then we'll take a caller. I was going to say that. First, we'll give out the number 1 800 270 4288. Speaking of Edom, the European Union. <laughs> has ruled, the European Union Court has ruled that, uh, listen to this, just listen to this, but here's what I'm asking you to do, just 
If you're righty, use that hand. If you're lefty, well, use your right hand anyway. Grab your spleen and just hold on to it. The European Union's courts have decided that any produce that was grown, grown in Judea, Samaria, by Jews is taxed and does not enjoy the duty-free trade that uh, that the rest of the Jewish state in, enjoys with the Europeans. But if it's grown in Judean Samaria by non-Jews, then it does get free trade. That sounds kosher, doesn't it? This sounds familiar. Like doesn't it sound like like something like in the Nuremberg laws? Is that where the European Union is getting its thing? It's it's uh, like what kind of rule is that? Huh? All right. Let's go to see. But I'm going to keep this whole show like so positive as we go into the Shabbat and this Purim. We have Jean Georgia. Welcome. What's on your mind, Jean? Yes, uh, I was wanting. I wanted to talk to you as an ex-messianic. Ooh. What so happened? After what, what, I started listening to your show a few years ago, I took up your challenge and started learning Hebrew, and I found the mistranslations and the lies we've been taught. And I'm working towards studying on conversion right now, studying for wow. conversion. Wow, Mazel Tov. That's wonderful. You're so fortunate to to become a Jew. Can I ask you a question, Jean? Yes. When when you when you first when you were in the messianic movement, and you for two for, years for two years, and you started listening to me, in the beginning, did you feel like, well, Tovia, he's anti-Christian or he just doesn't like Jesus? Did you, or like, what was your feeling initially when you started to listen to my show or whatever it is that you might or my programs? No, when I first started listening to you, you have a sense of humor, rather like I do. So, <laughs> Come on. You know, like when you make fun of people, I kind of am the same way, so I didn't really take it to heart. Oh, good. And I just started listening to what you said, and what I saw is that the Messianic movement was just basically another church, except they had a Torah in the front of the building. Hmm. So well. it's no different than any other Christian church. They were teaching, you know, Paul, Paul says this, Paul says that. They didn't teach out of the Torah, um, and I mainly started going there because I was interested in learning Hebrew. That was my reason to go. Right. And I wanted, I just wanted to say I didn't have enough nerve to ever call and and try to argue with you because I didn't figure that my knowledge was that good. So uh, but the person I, I was quick, calling in go ahead. Welcome. apparently has more information than I do, but... On the other hand, since I started studying Torah, I understand now that uh, I'm a lot better informed than I ever was. Hmm. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you, Gene. I want to ask you a question. First of all, I'm very happy. So what you're saying is that, you know, that although I express these ideas in, I think, a straightforward way, you're saying it's not offensive to Christians or people in the Messianic movement that I, I, I'm not offending non-Jews. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I think you can offend people that are easily offended. Oh, okay. All right. You know, if, if someone just turns you on and and doesn't have it, if they think they're right about everything, they're going to be offended. All right. Okay. But if 
if they go listen with an open mind and start doing their own research, they're going to find out that that you're telling the truth and what they've been taught out of the New Testament, you know, for 50 years is uh, it's a pack of lies. Hmm. Let me ask you another question because I'm like you're like a very important source of information. First of all, how far away are you from formalizing your conversion? It's going to be some time because I'm not. I don't live in a in an organized city. I'm out in the country. So what I've been doing is studying on my own, uh, talking with people. I met with a Chabad rabbi about a month or so ago, and I have mm-hmm. a reading list that I'm working on. So basically, I'll be uh, just learning as much as I can, getting back with him, and eventually, when I can see my way to move somewhere where I'm closer to a synagogue, Hmm. then I'll be able to do that. Hmm. But that doesn't stop me from studying and learning and, you know, the stuff I have learned, it's all, here's here's one thing that the churches do, is they also make fun of the Jews, and they make fun of them in such a way that's so nice. You know what I'm trying to say? No. You know, we're concerned about our lost brothers and sisters, and, um, you know, just how thankful are you that you have a personal Savior instead of you don't have to follow 613 laws? Mm. Well, most Christians have no idea what those 613 laws are. Mm. They don't understand that half of them refer to the, the temple standing. You know, mm. when you narrow it down to how many laws and commandments that you actually have to follow, it's all very intuitive, and it's things that, you know, a moral person is going to do anyway. But I'm just sorry that I've been lied to most of my life, and that I'm coming to this so late. Hmm. How do your, your, your friends, do you still have, how did the people who you knew in the Messianic movement react to your decision to embrace the God of Israel and embrace the Jewish faith. How? How? What was the reaction like? Well, they think. Uh, can I be blunt? Please. That's what okay. the show is all about. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, here's a term that I've heard that really turned me off. Um, the Jews are lost. You know, if they don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, then they're toast. So basically, I've joined the toast crowd. I mean, toast like you're burnt. You mean like? Like right, exactly. Yeah. That's not good. So that was one of the things that finally got moved me out the door. Hmm. Yeah, so that this is Christian love, you know, I don't need it. Wait, now, you grew up, you're from the state of Georgia. I'm not sure from what part, but how did you develop this, to like, just care about Hebrew? Most non-Jews, most, most Gentiles in Georgia, especially else, they're not, like, they don't encounter Jews... They're not looking to learn Hebrew and don't have the kind of affection that you have for the Jewish people. Like, where did that come from? I don't really know. I wanted to, um, maybe 30 years ago at least, I wanted to start learning Hebrew, but there weren't any resources to do it. You know, I've, I did a couple books, but that's kind of hard to do without being in an area where you can communicate with somebody that speaks it. So that was a waste of time. It wasn't until recently with the Internet that I really had... Uh, had the opportunity to follow through with it, but that but you you're sort of begging the question: Why did you want to learn Hebrew? Most Christians are not interested in learning Hebrew. I really don't know. I can't. I can't answer that. 
Do you think you have Jewish ancestry that you're not aware of? It's possible, but um, nothing nothing that I know of for sure, so I wouldn't want to say that. Did your, did your grandparents or great-grandparents come to the United States between 1880 and 1923? Yes, my mother was actually born in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s and came here when she was just two years old. I see. And my yeah. great-grandfather came from um, Bohemia or Ukraine area. Right. So we don't know. Well, that was, a, you know, the reason I asked that question is because that was a time, that was a period, you know, in the late 19th century, there was a whole series of pogroms that took place in in what was, you know, Tsarist Russia and Eastern Europe, and uh, there was... You know, the protocols of the elders of Zion had come out, and there was sometimes terrible pogroms against Jews, and they fled to the United States. They, they came to Ellis they came to New York, and, and many of them hid their Jewish identity because they wanted to um, assimilate in the United States and didn't want to endure the persecution that their families had endured in Europe. I mean, that's uh, quite common. It's possible. I just don't have any information because the family never talked about what they called the old country. Mm. Yeah, it's another thing. They don't talk about the old country. Do you? <laughs> do you? Are there? Um, do you know where your? Um, where your? You're saying this is your your grandmother who came in 1903. My mother. Your mother. Wow. So do you know, like, could you find her records, her birth records in Europe? Do you think that's possible? I know she was, I know where she was born. I know she was baptized in the Catholic Church. Um, she was baptized as, a, as an adult or as an infant? As an infant. All right. Well, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to tell, I wanted to, I wanted to welcome you home, Jean, because this is where you belong. Well, thank you. And um, I just um, one thing I noticed that since I started studying, I feel that I know my Creator as much as a person can know Him. Hmm. But I think about my Creator constantly during the day, whereas before, you know, if you go to church on Sunday at twelve oh one, you just put it away. Hmm. So I know this is the real thing. Right. Which denomination of Christianity did you belong to? At which time? All right, okay. So your mo- your mother was baptized Catholic, but you you were in the Catholic Church or you were in the Protestant Church before you? Uh... No, she left the Catholic Church as soon as she was eighteen, mm. and then that was pretty much um, Protestant. This and that, you know, nothing nothing for any length of time. Are you in the? Are you are you going to be able this Purim to come to a synagogue and listen to the Book of Esther and be a part of the festivities this coming week? Now, I was listening to Malka read it this morning, but um, I probably won't because I've been advised if I want to convert that I should stick with Orthodox. I was right. attending a conservative for a while. Well, you're in Georgia. What are you near Atlanta or or? or uh, I'm north of Atlanta. Well, in, like, are you? How far are you from the next from the closest big city? Well, from the synagogues, I'm about thirty, thirty-five miles. So you know, you can be at an Orthodox synagogue 
um, this coming Purim, right, Saturday night? You can do that. I'd, I'd like you to come. I'd like you to to join the Jewish people and be a part of the experience and not you have spent so many years of your life so far away from your people. Um, I think the time has come, Gene, in your life where you need to grow in your connection to your nation by going beyond the Internet and radio and actually coming to a synagogue and being joining with your people and listening to the Book of Esther and and uh, rejoicing and celebrating together with your people, because we shall we share a, a remarkable not just history, and there's no doubt in my mind that you are a descendant of our nation, but we share a, not just history, but we share a destiny. Would you consider doing that this perm to actually come physically to an Orthodox synagogue? It's probably about whatever it is, a half hour, an hour drive. I definitely would, but what is protocol? Protocol is um, you can come. Can I drop in on an Orthodox? Yes, Orthodox? yes, yes. We we would love to have you there. Because and when I started attending the, the conservative, I called and emailed ahead and don't email. You know, made sure it was okay. No, don't don't do that. We're very informal. So what I do not email because when I go to synagogue, I don't email. <laughs> I, got, I, I don't send an email to Rabbi. Hello, I'm coming up. I just show up. That's the beautiful thing. Here's what I want. I don't want you to call them or email them because that's you don't need to do that. You don't need to. You don't need to because God sees you. He's watching you. You're His daughter, and He wants you home. Okay, and He if knows you. He knows your I thoughts. The Go conditions ahead. of Shabbat. Should I be driving on Shabbat? Well, you haven't gone through a conversion, so you can. Um, and you can dr- certainly drive on Shabbat until you go through your conversion. And um, and not only that, I probably you can make it on time after Shabbat, but you can drive on Shabbat until you go through a conversion. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, but that think, is, yes, I'd love to go. All right. So that's that's what I would suggest you do. I would okay. I think that I think it's I think it's important for you not to feel like an outsider anymore. And I know that, you know, obviously you've been able to connect with your people and study Torah and listen to Malka and, and other broadcasts, but that's sort of a way of saying I, I'm not worthy of actually being there, you know, as part of the people, as someone who's going through the conversion, who, with the help of God, I will be formally a member of the Jewish people. So I think the time has come for you to actually step forward and be among the Jewish people. Listen to the Book of Esther. Don't call. Don't ask. Just, just come. I think it'll be. Maybe you can find a nice Chabad house uh, where you can come and just listen and, and bring with you um, the, uh, a Book of Esther. You know, maybe that has English and Hebrew, so you can sort of follow along. I think that might be helpful. I know that if you're, if there's a Jew, there must be Jewish bookstores in Atlanta. Maybe pick one up. So that you can follow along with the congregation, but I think that'll be very important. Don't worry; they would love to have you there. And, and, oh, okay. and if, it and would the, be a Chabad. Uh, there you go. Synagogue. Well, they know me. I'm just kidding. They probably okay. they may know me. So, if anybody asks you, tell them the Rabbi Singer said said that I should come. <laughs> I definitely will, and All I'll right? take my stone edition to knock. Yes. Oh. Bingo! But don't call ahead of time and ask them if it's okay, because that's like nobody does that. 
Okay, so, wonderful. Yeah, no one does. Is it okay? Because it's it's the it's a word of Hashem, and it is definitely okay. It's definitely a wonderful thing to worship the God of Israel, to put your trust in Him and Him alone, and to listen to that great moment in Jewish history, how the nation was saved, not just physically from Haman, but spiritually they discovered the God of Israel and, and pointed through the darkness and through the coincidence and through the hidden nature of Purim, and they're able to point and say, you know what? Hashem is my God, and I believe in him alone, and he is the one who saved us, and no one else did. And um, so don't email, just show up and bring the Book of Esther with you. And, you know, you can go online or whatever and just check what time services are, you know, but uh, but do that, and I think it'll mean, it'll mean a lot to you and yes, to, the, to your people. All right? Thank you for your advice. I appreciate it. My and pleasure. Hag Sameach. Hag Sameach. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. All right, thank you. So this has turned to another boring show <laughs> here on Israel. What a blessing. Um, what a blessing. I just want to thank Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me this opportunity to connect with those who love you and those who seek you out. And I don't know how I merited this privilege to that you would ever use me as your vessel. But I thank you, Hashem, that you would you would you would use me so that your word could be heard from to the furthest most parts of the earth. And please God in some way that that as as your holy word is uh, vibrates around the world to the furthest most islands that um, the nations will rise up we will merit to witness that moment that's never occurred before never happened before where the nations of the world accepted the God of Israel uh, Abraham saved souls in Choram but there were just a handful and Moses just one nation but the moment that we await is when all the nations will come to know your name and your name alone. You listen to Singer Israel National Radio, wishing you Shabbat Shalom, Chag Sameach, Shalom. Yeah.